Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Samuel chapter 17, I'm going to begin reading in verse 37. I believe that God wants to speak to us tonight. I believe that the Lord wants to move in this place this evening. I don't know about you, but I want to move of the Holy Ghost. I want to move of God every time I come to church. I don't think there's any reason why we shouldn't or couldn't have a move of God every time we come into the house of God. And if you have any excuses about it, it's Sunday night, so those are out the window because Pentecostals are supposed to have church on Sunday night. That's the rule. That's the rule. That's the rule. We're, this is the night that you're supposed to have church, so, so let's do it. Let's do it. Very good to meet Brother Friels. I heard all kinds of stuff about you. And all the way up in Pennsylvania, there's people talking. It was all good stuff, too. I don't know if they were lying, but it was good stuff. <laughs> it was all good stuff. And, and Brother Hayes had all, uh, only good things to say about you. And we're, just, we're just glad that there's people of like-minded faith that, that love, to, love the people of God. Because the people of God are the body of Christ. And if you don't if you don't love them, you're going to have a hard time loving the Lord. And he's going to have a hard time with it if you treat his body bad. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 37. <clears throat> David said, moreover. Now, we're just going to do a little, little kids, you know, a little, what would you call that? Kids sermon, you know, a little Bible story. A little, is it all right? David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Saul said unto David, go and the Lord be with thee. But Saul armed David with his armor and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail. David girded his sword upon his armor, that's Saul's sword, and he essayed to go. In other words, Saul said, I want you to go and I want you to fight, but I want you to do it the way I do it. I want you to do it how I would do it, so take my armor. Because then if you win, I can tell everybody he only won because he's wearing my stuff. He only won because he had on my helmet and he only used my sword and he had on my armor. That's why, that's why he won. That's why he did. He, he, he shot that three-pointer and made it because he's wearing a pair of Steph Currys. That's what it was. That's why. You know, he. The Bible says David refused to go in that. For he had not proved it. I've not tried this before. I've not tested this before. And David said unto Saul, I can't go with these. Uh, I mean, not because you're probably a foot and a half taller than me and it doesn't fit, but I've not proved them. And David put them off. He decided, I'm going to try what I've proved. So he took a staff in his hand and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. He drew near to the Philistine. He said, there are some things that I've not tried and I, I can't use them, but... 
But I, I know what it's like to have a staff in my hand, and I, I'm real comfortable with this sling and these five smooth stones. So that's what I'm going to go with. And he makes his way out onto the battlefield. And I want to I wanna preach to you, if I can, for the next few minutes of time uh, on this subject. Who invited praise to the battlefield? Who invited praise to the battlefield? Why don't we put our Bibles down? Why don't we lift our hands? Why don't we pray? If you want to pray for me, that'd be fine. And ask God to strengthen us. If you want to pray, I just want us to pray in the Holy Ghost right now for a minute. Holy power of God, move upon us. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Tonight, in the name of Jesus. Curse every sickness, curse every disease. Command there to be healing. I command there to be a release. God, I curse every oppression, every work of hell right now. I release the power of the Holy Ghost to move. We curse every spirit that would be contrary to your word and to your power. But we release an anointing in this house, God. We release a touch of heaven in this place. We release a touch of God. Lord, we curse every spirit of enmity. We curse every spirit of distraction. And we release power in this place. We release power in this place. We release power. In this place, we release power. In this place, we release the glory of God. In this place, we release power. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Why don't we take a minute and shout unto God? Why don't we take a minute and shout unto God with a voice of triumph? Everybody said in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell them something nice. You may be seated. I, I run out of things to. We're on service six. I done run out of things for you to tell them. So you're going to have to make something up. Can I tell you tonight that the battlefield It's a point of contact. It is a point of meeting. It is your last stop between failure, defeat, and victory. The battlefield is a proving ground where you will put what you have practiced into effect. The battlefield is a bloody place. The battlefield is a harsh place. Battlefield is not a place for the weak of heart. The battlefield is not a place for those who would turn back. And in all reality, David, the battle place is no battlefield is no place for a singer. Once you step on the battlefield, there is no time to go back. The time to sharpen your sword is over. The time for planning is over. Once you step on the battlefield, the time for preparation has passed. And once your feet hit that sacred ground, you must determine in your mind that this is it. 
Whether I live or whether I die, I'm here to fight and I will not retreat. The battlefield is not a place where you can come and go as you please. But once you get there, you need to stay there. Vice Admiral Nelson was one of the greatest sea captains in history. He had a philosophy, he had a way that he would conduct himself. He would study his enemies for months, for weeks. He would look at the battle from every angle. He would look at it from, from, from every single point of contact before the engagement. He would lay out the plans and he would study the maps. He would, he would figure out the arsenal of the enemy they were fighting. He would do everything that he could. And, and he was doing this in private. He was doing this when nobody else was watching. And before he ever sailed into battle, he knew what he was going to do. Before he sailed into battle, he knew how long the enemy would last before they would give up. And once he had it down, once his strategy was in place, history says that he would rush headlong into battle with no fear and no reservation. Some people thought that he was just wild. Some people thought, even the British uh, uh, army, the leaders, they thought that he was just a little bit off his rocker. He's just, you know, he just rushes headlong. He's that wild-eyed, crazy guy. He doesn't care if he dies, and, and I guess maybe he didn't. He'd already lost one eye, and he'd already lost one leg, and he's hopping around on a wooden leg. And, and in one instant, they decide what we're going to do, uh, Admiral Nelson. We're not putting you in charge of this war. They were going to fight against the Danes, and they said, we're not putting you in charge because you're just a little bit too crazy. You're just a little bit too out there. So they, they said, we're going to put a man in charge that's tamer than you. He seems to have more of a level head on his shoulder, so they did that. And, and this level head had made them sit there for weeks and weeks and months and never initiate the battle. And finally, Vice Admiral Nelson said, listen, boys, I've got it all laid out. And if we strike at this angle and if we go here and if we bring that ship there, if we do it right now, if we leave right now, we can win this fight. We can win this fight. And, and all of the men, he, he, had, he had riled them up to such a point that they were like, yes, yes, yes. So the leader, he had no choice but to say okay well we'll finally initiate a conflict and halfway through the battle over on that that leadership he he puts up the number 36 and everybody's looking at it because 36 means retreat it means give up it means let's turn these ships around and go home and while they're there uh, uh, vice admiral nelson always men you you understand they're seeing the retreat and he's acting like he doesn't see the retreat and they're looking at him like, when are we going to turn back? And he looks at the man and he says, is the 16 still flying? And they look up and they're flag 16 and that means charge. That means go forward. That means He said, is it still flying? And they said, yes, sir. He said, good. Keep it up there and don't let it come down. So they keep pushing forward. They keep pushing. And they come to him again and they say, Admiral, don't you see that the commander has put the 36? Shouldn't we turn around right now? And he takes uh, the periscope, he takes the looking glass, and he puts it up to his blind eye. And he looks at his, he looks at the private, he looks at all this, and he says, you know, I've got a right to be blind sometimes. I only have one eye. 
I have a right to not see what's happening sometimes. And history records that less than 30 minutes after that man had held up 36, Vice Admiral, he conquered the Danes and they surrendered and they gave up. Because every once in a while, you have a right not to see what hell's doing. Every once in a while, you have a right not to see what all of the world is doing. Every once in a while, you just got to say that if Jehovah is our warrior, we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to press forward. We're going to overcome. We're going to win this battle. Hallelujah. 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 In the words of the Chinese captain, Rajul, he he said on the day that a military leader gets his orders, he forgets about his home. When a promise is made in the face of battle, he forgets his family. When the war drums sound, he forgets his own body. And my question to you tonight is why do we seem that every time the battle comes, we want to turn around and go back? Why is it that every time it gets tough, we want to tuck our tails and run? Jesus said it this way. No man having put his hand to the plow and turning back is fit for the kingdom of God. And Paul says that no man that warreth entangleth himself in the things of this world. He's got to please. He's the one who called him. So I've come to preach to you tonight that this battle is not to the faint of heart. This fight is not to the weakened spirit. It's not for the quitter. This fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against spiritual wickedness. But I'm telling you that we can win this thing, that we're going to win this thing, that we're going to overcome, that we will overcome. Hallelujah. The giants that we face, they are not natural. You cannot see them with your eye, but believe me, they are there. There is a Goliath in these last days challenging the people of God. There is a Goliath seeking to intimidate the people of God. But I hear a call come forth in these last few moments of time. I hear a call come forth from heaven that says who will go and who will fight? Who will stand and who will be counted? And the word of God said that the Lord began to speak to the prophet and said I'm looking for somebody that will stand in the gap and that will make up the hedge and that will not turn around. So I wonder tonight if there's anyone that would throw up a hand and say God if you're looking for somebody that will fight you look no further than me you look no further than me you look no further than me amen let's get where we're going the Bible tells us that Goliath has come for 40 days but if you read it more closely he doesn't just come for 40 days he comes for 40 days and 40 nights Morning and evening. Eighty times he presents himself in the valley of Elah. And he has set forth a challenge each day. Send me a man. You understand that I hear a call from heaven that's God saying, send me a man. Send me somebody that'll fight. But I'm going to tell you right now, I could hear a challenge from hell. And he's saying, send me a man. Because I'm tired of people always running away when I want to fight. 
And I, I'm telling you that I, I wish that I wish that there were some of those elders, Bishop. I wish there were four more of you that said, if there's a fight you want, I'll do it. But I'm telling you, hell wishes that there were still some old saints that even though he fought them all day, they still showed up. He said, I'm tired of weak opponents. I'm tired of weak fighters. I want a man that will stand and fight. I, I want somebody that will stand up and fight with me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Somebody, I'm telling you, hell's not looking for a quitter. The devil's saying, I've dealt enough with quitters. I want someone that'll fight. I want someone that'll stand up. I want someone that'll do it. And God said, if you want somebody, I'll send you somebody. I'll send you a blood bond, saint of God, that's full of the Holy Ghost. I'll send you somebody to fight. Hallelujah. Send me somebody, send me somebody, send me somebody. And then he begins to issue a blasphemy every day. I defy the armies of God. I defy Jehovah. I defy them. And a question comes for 40 days, 80 questions. 80 times the question is asked, who will fight? Time out. Who will fight? Who's going to fight? So somewhere in those 40 days, somewhere in that span of 40 days, somebody decides, maybe Saul, I don't know. Somebody decides, if you will go fight, we'll give you a reward. We'll give you a reward. We'll give you something to go do it. We'll give you something. There is a clear reward set. You will get the king's daughter. Your father's house will be free in Israel. And then you'll have riches and honor. And David continually asked the question, what shall be done to the man that slays the giant and takes his reproach from Israel? What's going to be done? What's going to be done to him? The king will enrich him with great riches. We'll give him his daughter. He'll make his father's house free in Israel. Three rewards. And... I begin to think about it. I begin to wonder. I, I just begin to, to kind of let the spirit lead me a little bit. And, I, and I've got to believe that the reward for killing the giant has a lot to do with the spirit that the giant was operating in. I believe that the reward for killing him had a lot to do with what the giant was coming against in Israel. What he was oppressing, what he was operating, and the influence of him. You understand, the influence of what's attacking you can always be identified with what you'll get for defeating it. The influence of what's coming against you, you can always identify it because you'll know, man, if I can get through this, I know what's going to break. If I can get through this, if I can press through. And the reward was set because reward gave us a picture of what Goliath was coming against. (laughs) Oh, help me. Goliath is first mentioned in Scripture, but he's not mentioned as the giant or as just Goliath. But they mention him as the champion. Goliath of Gath. Goliath of Gath. Gath was a city of the Philistines. There was five king cities. And Gath is one of them. 
When you look up the name Gath, when you look, at, look it up, and I, I'm going somewhere, okay, so I've only been preaching 18 minutes and 56, 57, 58. I can't keep track. That many minutes, okay? <clears throat> Gath literally means the wine press or the crushing place. So when they identify Goliath, they tell us that he's Goliath of Gath. Now, can I just get a little bit uh, carnal here? They, they're doing back then what we're trying to do now in the World Wrestling Federation. They're naming their fighters. This is more than just them saying, here comes the giant and he's from Gath. If it would be translated correctly, they would say the champion is coming. Goliath the crusher. Goliath the crusher. Goliath of Gath. Goliath from the wine press. You know what happens at a wine press. It's the crushing place. So here comes Goliath the crusher. He's the bruiser. He's going to oppress you. He's going to push you down. He's going to get you. His mere presence caused the men to stand still and not move and be paralyzed with fear. There is something operating in Goliath that crushes everybody around him, that oppresses everybody. It's a weight that's put on the shoulders. And the named reward tells us the areas that the crushing or the oppression affects the most your marriage, your money, and your deliverance. That's what he said. He said, if you win, you'll get the king's daughter, you'll get riches, and your father's house will be free. So the, the giant, what he's affecting is relationship, finance, and liberty. Your marriage, your money, and your deliverance. The oppression always attacks in those areas. I, I wish somebody right now would throw up your hands. And I wish you would think about what would change if you got victory over what you're fighting right now. I want you to think about what would change in your life. Oh, my marriage would be better. My finances would be set free. If I wasn't facing this crushing, if I could defeat this enemy, I know that my home would be better. I would have peace. I wouldn't have such stress on my job. I want you to think about it for a minute. Because before... Before we leave this place, we're going to crush the head of the devil. We're going to defeat the enemy. I just want you to know what the reward is going to be. My body would be healed. My heart would be touched. My children would come back if I could defeat the oppressor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm so sick of the devil coming against marriages. I, I'm so sick of the devil trying to tear our homes apart. I'm so sick of the devil always trying to put his thumb on the finances of the church. I'm telling you, there's a giant that's going to fall tonight. There's a giant that's going to fall tonight. There's a giant that's going to fall. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it. If you could step over that enemy that you've been facing, what do you think would change? How much freedom do you think you had? How much liberty would you have if you could just defeat that one thing? I feel like preaching for a few minutes. I, I want to tell you that there were, 
The Bible says after Joshua, you could sit, stand, do cartwheels. It don't bother me. The Bible says that. The Bible says that after that Joshua pushes back the giants in the book of, of Joshua. After he pushes them back, the Bible says that they go and they reside in three cities. They reside in Gaza. They reside in Gath, and they reside in Ashdod. That's what the Bible says. When I begin to look up the word Gaza, uh, the Gaza literally means a stronghold or a strong place. And when I looked up the word Ashdod, it means a powerful place. I begin to think of myself. Think to myself. I begin to think about it in, in concern to the pressing or the wine press. And I thought, you know, you know, when I think about in my life some of the strongholds that I've had to push through some of the things that I've had to overcome you understand that when you first come into church there's going to be some walls that you got to push down you, you're going to have to push down walls over your life that have been built and you're going to have to push down some things and it's strongholds that you got to face and, and I found out in my life that when I know that I'm facing a stronghold when I know there's an issue there's a sin there's something that I'm trying to fight and I'm pushing and pushing I know why the devil's pushing back I know it. I don't question it. I don't get up in the morning crying the blues saying, why does the devil bother me? I know why he's bothering me. I'm trying to get over uh, Gaza. I'm trying to get over the stronghold in my life. But then the Bible says that, that, that there's another giant in Ashdod, and that's a powerful place. And I realize that when I'm pushing against the powers of hell, and when I've got over that stronghold, but now I'm trying to get into the anointing and the flow and the power, I know why the devil's fighting me. I don't question. I know why he's fighting me because I'm messing him up. I'm trying to get through. I'm trying to get an anointing. I'm trying to do damage to his kingdom. I know why he's fighting me. I understand it. But you see, God, uh, Gath, that's different. Gath is different because Gath is just a wine press. You're not trying to push through the power of hell, and you're not trying to get over a stronghold. You're just trying to do the best that you can, but there's always a pressing. You understand when you're in a place where God isn't letting you jump over strongholds and he's not letting you pull power down from heaven and you're just doing the best that you can and then there's a pressing. That's when the questions start. God, I'm doing the best I can, but it keeps getting worse. God, I thought things should have changed by now and I'm living. Now, I, Lord, I got rid of those strongholds and I, I feel like I'm anointed. I'm doing good. But why is it that these bad things keep happening to me? Why, why do I keep putting, having to put up with this? I, why do I keep having to do it? You understand that these other giants, they are strong and they are in your flesh. But there are a high number of, a number of people, excuse me, that, that leave church. And, and the reason a high number of marriages fail is because once we've walked with God and we've done all that we can try to do, we've done all that we can it seems like we always walk right into the wine press and God lets you walk there and God says okay Satan I know you've desired to sift him so I'm going to let you take him to the wine press for a little bit I'm going to let him get crushed for a little bit you know it's that place where you know you've done all you can do and you know you're trying to live right and you know that you're coming to church and you know that you're pre and you're doing all that you know how to do but trials still come and troubles get greater and questions get harder to answer and we begin to say why do the wicked prosper and I'm sitting over here in a mess God and I, I'm trying to do the right thing why does it seem like the more I try to do right the more the devil comes why do I feel oppressed why can't I get out of this dark cloud why can't I get it to go away why can't I seem to break free can I just preach to 
for a minute. When you step into the wine press, you start talking like this. I'm doing all I know to do. I'm giving. I'm tithing. But my finances are still crushed. And I can hardly make ends meet, God. When's something going to happen? We get to the point where we're saying, God, I feel like you should have showed up already. And all I hear is the voice of the crusher saying, where's your God now? If God really loved you, he would have showed up. If God really cared for you, he would bless you for doing the right thing. That is the voice of oppression. Oh, if you were doing it right, God would show up. If you were there, where's your God? Where's the God of Jehovah? I defy him because he hasn't showed up. That's the voice of oppression that you've got to deal with at the wine press. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes. We get into that place when we're in the wine press, when, when we're in the oppression and the crushing. And it's caused our patience to be so short that we're always on the edge of fighting. But it's always with the wrong enemy. So we're turning and we're lashing out at everybody that are, that's close to us. And our relationships near us seem to suffer the most when we're under the influence of oppression. And for 40 days, Eliab, David's brother, is under the influence of the crusher. And when David comes, Eliab is so ready to fight somebody. Just not the giant. He's right on the edge. He's, everybody there is on edge. Everybody there. We've been dealing with it. You, you know what I'm talking about when you're on edge. And you know that it ain't your wife's fault, but you still blame her. You know it ain't his fault, but you still blame him. You know it ain't your neighbor's fault, but you still blame You're just on edge, and that's what happened to Eliab. And when David comes, he says, he lashes out at him like a snake. Who did you leave those few sheep with in the wilderness? Whoa. I just come to bring some cheeses, bro. I ain't never yelled at nobody for bringing me cheese, Brother Mason. You bring me cheese, la fromage, we're going to be best friends, I'm going to tell you. He said, I didn't come here to fight with you. I didn't come here to have a problem. And he said, I know the naughtiness of your heart. I know you come down here to see the battle. No, if I wanted to see the battle, I'd get in the ditch with you and we'd watch together. We'd hold hands and get popcorn. I didn't come down here to watch a fight. I didn't come down here to be in a fight. But you understand Eliab is on edge, but he'll never lash out at the one that's causing the oppression. Who invited you here anyway, Dave? You're not a warrior. Why don't you just get your harp and go on back to the sheepfold? Why don't you just get your harp and go back there and take care of those few sheep? You, you understand. You understand Eliab's not really worried about the few sheep. Because if he was, he'd kill the giant. Because at that point, his father's house would be free. And he could get all the sheep he wanted. He's not worried about the few sheep. You understand that one of the first attacks that ever comes when we're getting oppressed is that the enemy and people around us try to make us feel small. You only got a few sheep. That's just a small place. That's just a small town. You ain't doing much. You, I mean, look at this. You just got 12-inch subwoofers and speakers. You ain't got an 18 like we do. And he wants to make you feel small. Liab is not worried about fighting. The giant... Because he's too busy fighting his brother. He's too busy fighting the ones near him because that's what the oppression does. That's what the wine press does to us. 
I know what I'm talking about because I've been in the wine press before. And just when I thought God couldn't turn it again, he turns it again. Just when I thought he'd squeezed everything out, he just keeps turning it. Just when I thought, God, am I, you don't realize you're in the wine press when you're there. You just deal with the symptoms. And the symptoms are I'm doing everything I can, but nothing's changing. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Let me lift our hands to the Lord right now for a minute. We're going to change gears, but I'm telling you, God's talking to somebody. I'm telling you, I hear the voice of the Lord telling somebody, you're just in the wine press right now. You just keep doing what you're doing. You just keep doing what you're doing. I'm squeezing a new anointing out of you. I'm squeezing a new touch out of you. I'm squeezing a new realm out of you. <laughs> let's lift our voice to the Lord right now. Come on, let's lift our voice to the Lord. <laughs> I've come I've come to tell you tonight that this giant can be defeated. I've come to tell you tonight that that giant can fall. I've come to let you know tonight that we are able to bring him down. And when it happens there will be freedom. When he goes down there will be a breakthrough. When he goes down, there will be healing. There will be bonding of relationships. I'm telling you that before we leave this place tonight, that that giant that's been afflicting you is going to fall. And when he falls, there'll be a healing in your marriage. When he falls, there'll be a release of finances. When he falls, there will be a power in this place. I've just got to get something in your spirit and let you know that he can be defeated. You can overcome the wine press. You can make it through. You're able to do it. God can bring you through it. Hallelujah. If you believe that, why don't you clap your hands and shout unto God. I'm almost to the end. I'm making the turn right now, okay? The Bible introduces, the, the, the Philistines introduce their champion, and the Bible records it very well. The Bible does it justice, okay? Here comes Goliath of Gath. Here comes the crusher. Here come, and they've introduced their champion. What I love is that, that God introduces his champion the same way. It doesn't say David, the son of Jesse, comes down to bring cheeses to them and it's God said if you're going to blast me with your champion Goliath of Gath the crusher let me just present to you my little champion and when they introduce David in the story of Samuel they introduce him this way now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem Judah whose name was Jesse that don't mean not much unless you study the Hebrew because God said if you're going to introduce your champion as the crusher let me introduce you the one that's going to defeat you. And if we would translate it, it would say, Now David was the son of fruitful praise. Now David was the praiser. Now if you're going to have the crusher, let me tell you what's going to defeat your crushing. I'm sending the son of fruitful praise. He might not look like a warrior, but he's got a harp in his hand, and he's got a song in his lips, and he's going to praise. And when the enemy... 
Somebody hear me. When the devil sends a crusher, God says, I'm looking for a praiser. When the devil sends a crusher, God says, all I need is a praiser. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there might be a crushing, but there's a weapon that defeats the crusher every time. It's somebody that will praise God with a fruitful praise, with a powerful praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. He said, I need you. I'm going to preach for a minute. I feel the Holy Ghost breaking something loose right now. Hey, let me tell you. He said, David, put on my armor. I can't do it. That doesn't work. I've got to do something that has been proven. I've got to grab something that works. Can I tell you that praise works? Can I tell you that praise always works? You might not think it does. You might not understand it. But praise always works. I wonder who invited praise to the battlefield? Who invited praise to the battlefield? Who invited praise? to the battlefield I thought I'd keep you quiet I thought I'd crush you enough that you wouldn't say nothing I thought about who invited praise to the battlefield I'm telling you tonight, this isn't the fight that the devil wants. This isn't the fight that he wanted. His oppression caused everybody else to be quiet. But when the praiser come, he started talking back. He said, I'm going to defy you because you defied God. I'm going to talk back. Praise can't keep quiet. Praise can't keep quiet. Praise can't keep quiet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You might have me oppressed, but praise said I will bless the Lord at all times. It'll be in my mouth. There'll be a praise that'll defy hell. There'll be a praise. It's your praise that's going to bring you through the wine press. It's your praise that's going to bring you through the crushing. Complaining will not do it. Murmuring will not do it. Your silence will not do it. It's going to take a praiser that steps out from where they are and says, devil, I'm... Hey, what can the devil do with somebody that's been crushed all week, but they still walk in the back doors and say... <laughs> praise him praise him praise him in the morning oh I thought I got him crushed brother I thought I put him under no 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 you can't crush a praiser you can't crush a praiser you can't crush a praiser oh somebody shout somebody shout somebody shout you can't crush a praiser I know you tried to bring fear. I know you tried to bring hate. But I count it all joy. I count it all joy. I count it all joy. What can the devil do with somebody that comes in mourning, but they leave dancing? What can he do with somebody that he's tried to crush, but their hands still go up and tears stream down their face, and they still give God praise?
don't we take about 30 minutes and have a praise break in this place? Why, why don't we take a few seconds? Come on, 30. So why don't we just lift up a praise to God? I feel like somebody's praise is releasing you from the crushing. I feel like somebody's praise is releasing you from the crushing. And when it's all over, your family will be free. When it's all over, your marriage will be healed. When it's all over, your finances will be broken. Close in just a second. Holy Ghost, help us right now. Holy, come on, take a minute. I've been crushed, but I still got to praise. I, I've been put down, but I still got to praise. I, I don't know where to go, but I still got to. Who invited praise to the battlefield? Who invited praise tonight to your battlefield? I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm not just telling you this for lip service. I'm telling somebody your praise is going to be the catalyst for your healing. Your praise is going to be the catalyst for your breakthrough. Your praise is going to be the catalyst for your answer that you've been seeking. Your praise is going to be the catalyst for that. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel it. I feel it, 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 I feel it in this place. Hallelujah. David, I'm done, I'm closing with this right here. David, you're getting ready to fight somebody that's been a warrior from his youth. He's killed people since he was a young man. You're getting ready to go out there and fight him. What kind of warm-up are you going to do? What are your qualifications for fighting him? What are your qualifications for going out there? How can you be sure that you're able to defeat him? And right there on the edge of the battlefield, David goes into an old-fashioned testimony service. <laughs> How are you sure this is going to work? And David begins to say, let me go ahead and tell you what God did for me yesterday. Let me go on and tell you what happened last week. Let me go on and tell you how God did it for me. He said, a lion came and God delivered me out of the paw of that lion. Let me tell you, because what God did for you yesterday is only a portion. It's just a reference to what he could do for you right now. What he could do, for, he said a lion came and when that lion came, God delivered me out of that paw. I wish somebody would just remember for a few minutes that if God did it before he can do it again I know there's some people that are oppressed I know there's some people that you can't even get your hands in the air you can't get a praise but could you just thank God for what he's already done could you praise him for the miracle he already gave you and when you can do that you're giving him a catalyst a springboard Ha, 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 ha. 
Come on, I'm going to give you a minute. I'm going to give you a minute. I'm going to give you a minute to feel the liberty that's in this place right now. I'm going to give you a minute to feel the liberty that's in this place right now. Praise has showed up. Praise has showed up. There is a spirit of overcoming praise in this building. There is a spirit of an overcoming praise in this building. <laughs> Come on, there's a spirit of praise. I wish you just remember about the step on the battlefield, but before I do, let me remind you that God delivered me once and God will deliver me again. God brought me out once and God will bring me out again. God will do it. I'm telling you what will work. I'm telling you what will work. I'm telling you what will work. Praise will work. Praise will work. Praise will work. Come on. Come on, let's lift your hands. Let's praise them right now. Why don't we just take that into a time of worship for a minute? Come on. Come on, why don't somebody push that oppressor off right now? What would change if you left here victorious tonight? What would be different if you left here? What would be different if you walked out of this place and you knew the giant was laying on the ground when you left? What would be different? What would be different? What, would your body be healed? Would there be a resurrection in your marriage? Right now, what we're going to do is we're going to reach over. We're going to pray one for another that strength would come. Pray the oppressor off of them. Pray that oppression. I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost that God is lifting weights off of the shoulders of his people right now. That God is lifting weights off of his people right now. That God is lifting weights off of his people right now. Come on, that's it. That's it. That God's lifting weights off of you. That oppression's coming off. That fear's going to go. That's it. That fear's going to go right now. Come on. Pray, pray from the front to the back. God's turning this place into to a house of deliverance. God's turning this place to a place of deliverance. Well, they're going to begin to play. But here in just a second, we're going to shout. We're going to shout. Pray for a second. Come on. Pray. Release that right now. Release that praise right now. Oh, yes. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praise of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishment upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters, to execute upon them the judgment written. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and harp. Praise Him with the timbre and dance. Praise Him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything. Let everything that has breath praise Him. You ready? We're done right now. I'm releasing a gift of faith. Lord, in the name of Jesus, 
I release the gift of faith and praise. Come on, we're going to begin to lay hands. God's doing something right now. Come on, and at the count of three, if you can hear me, at the count of three, I want you just to shout unto God and give the best praise you've got. You ready? One, two, three. Let's give him a shout of praise. Come on, God, right now, in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.